Open your Bibles, please, to the book of 2 Corinthians. We'll be in chapter 8, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Uh, man, I've been in a good Christmas mood since uh, Friday night. Really enjoyed the Christmas worship time. And next Sunday, I'll be preaching a Christmas message. And then uh, Christmas Eve services are at 2 or 4 or 6, 2, 4, and 6. And it's, if you're in the area, we'd love to have you. It's a really a special tradition here, and we love that. Well, open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We're going through this book of the Bible together um, most Sundays, and we find ourselves in chapter 8 and verse 7. If you were here last week, you may remember that the church at Corinth was being encouraged by Paul to follow the example of the church, uh, churches in Macedonia who were very generous, though they were in poverty, very generous, and they're giving to the church at Jerusalem that has some uh, great needs that are uh, in their society and life. And so let's pick up the story now in verse 7 of 2 Corinthians chapter 8. The Bible says, Now as you excel in everything, in faith, speech, knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love for us, excel also in this act of grace. I'm not saying this as a command. Rather, by means of the diligence of others, I'm testing the genuineness of your love. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. And in this matter, I'm giving advice because it is profitable for you who began last year not only to do something, but also to want to do it. Now also finish the task so that just as there was an eager desire, there may also be a completion according to what you have. For if the eagerness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. It is not that there should be relief for others and hardship for you, but it is a question of equality. At the present time, your surplus is available for their need so that their abundance may in turn meet your need in order that there may be equality. As it is written, the person who had much did not have too much and the person who had little did not have too little. Well, here's the principle I want you to get this morning. God wants you to excel in generosity. God wants you to excel in generosity. And the Bible talks often about this and in this section of God's word, it's very clear that God is teaching the church at Corinth, and may I say, is teaching us in this day uh, the lessons of generosity, to learn generosity, to put this into practice. And you can be generous, of course, in different ways. You can be generous with your time. If you're a parent of young children, what they want from you for Christmas is uh, more than presents, is your time. They want your presence. I don't, I don't mean, I mean the presence with a T-S, but they also want your presence, and they want you. And there's a power to being generous with your time. And we can be generous with our talents and our gifts. And I am thankful for so many in our church family who are generous with those things and who serve well, or people who are teaching our preschoolers and children and teenagers even right now. How thankful I am for people who are generous with their time and generous with their talents and who use their gifts for God's glory. But this passage is speaking specifically about being generous with your treasures. And, and the Lord cares about that, and it talks about it often. And the Bible says, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. So let me tell you a story. I mentioned last week that as a, um, I didn't have the propensity really towards generosity just by nature. I, w I have always been a saver as opposed to a spender. And part of that is just my personality. It's just my personality. I've always had that bent. It comes easily to me. There's some things about it that are really you know, beneficial, of course. And but, but being generous is not just something that comes super easily for me by personality. 
And I think some of it comes from my past. My parents both grew up poor, grew up on farms, both grew up poor, and they always were careful about um, how they used money. And, and I didn't have much money growing up. My parents, my dad was a construction worker. We just didn't have a lot of things. And so I think, you know, those things, my personality and my background kind of led to a little of how I thought about um, generosity and maybe the lack thereof. So when I was a teenager, and you'll forgive me for not remembering all the details about this because that has, that was some, this story was some time ago in my teenage years. And I was at some event with, our, we had a, I was in, lived in a small town, small church. Our youth went somewhere with a gathering of other teenagers for some sort of worship service, something I think about missions in general, I'm just not sure of the specifics. And we went to this worship service, and in the service, uh, I don't remember the details except this part I remember well. They took an offering among us teenagers. They took up an offering, something to do with missions. And the reason I remember it is because I had in my possession that night a, a silver dollar. Now, I grew up in the generation where you used cash, you know, to spend to get things more often. I didn't have a credit card, of course, and I suppose it's not a really good idea for you to have a credit card when you're young anyway, but I didn't have a credit card, and so you would have cash. I didn't even have that night with me, I don't suppose, my wallet. I didn't have a car. In fact, the first car I got was when I married Vicky. I got half of her car, and so that was my, that's how it started for me, and so I probably didn't even have a wallet. I didn't typically carry a wallet in those years, but for some reason, I had in my pocket this silver dollar, and I suppose it was because I liked the feel of the silver dollar. If any of you, you know, they're not as common now, but if you've had that in your hand, it's a heavy it's a weighted coin and you can feel it. It's not just like money in a bank or not even just paper money. It's just, you feel it. You can, you know, it's something about that. And so I had this silver dollar in my pocket for whatever reason. I wouldn't normally have done it, but I carried it with me for some reason. And they were giving this offering, taking this offering for missions of some sort. And I remember feeling very convicted that I was to give to that offering. That's all I had was the silver dollar. Now, I didn't want to give that silver dollar. I liked how it felt, and I liked how it made me feel, and I didn't want to give it. But I felt convicted that I should. Now, I tithe. All of my life, literally all of my earning lifetime, I have given a tenth or more of my income to God's work, to God through my local church, through the budget of my local church. I've done that all of my life, and I was doing it at that time, the little limited amount I got. And so I could have said, of course, and I probably did say, you know, I'm kind of already fulfilling my responsibility, God. But I could not escape the very clear conviction that I was to give that silver dollar. I, don't, I didn't have a lot of money. I could have very ar argued with God about that. The way I got money, I got, um, in my early years, I got an allowance. But by this point, I, the only way I got money was to work in usually for some farmer or something like that, some kind of manual labor, baling hay or things, and that sort of work. And, or once a year, my grandmother would give me a dollar for my birthday. And so one of those ways, I had earned this silver dollar. 
And I could not escape the conviction that I was to give it. And so, this is in the days when they passed the plate. And despite the fact that I had these inner conflicts, I reached in and took the silver dollar and I gave it. And once you put it in that basket, I mean, it's, that's it. You can't like go back to the back and say, I changed my mind. I want You can't do that. Then. I mean, it's, just, it's gone. Now, here's what I think. I think God in heaven wanted me to learn something. I don't think it was that God was uh, like short a dollar in the work of the kingdom, and he said, how in the world are we going to make ends meet? Uh, let's get this kid. If I can get him to give this dollar. I don't think that was it. I don't think it was that the mission, whatever the mission was that I gave to, maybe it was the International Mission Board or something, I'm not, I'm not sure, whatever it was, I'm not sure that that dollar like put them over the top. Though God uses every widow's might for his glory. And I'm thankful that I can be a part of what God's doing in the world through my giving, how small or little, whatever it may be. Here's what I think. I think God wanted me to learn the lesson that this scripture is teaching us. He wanted me to learn the lesson of generosity. That's what I think. I think God wanted a teenage boy who knew him as Savior, who called him Lord, to begin to live it out, to begin to put it into practice, and to learn this lesson of generosity. I believe God wanted me to part with something that seemed inordinately valuable to me, incredibly important to me, though in the scope of eternity. In fact, even in this world, it didn't make that big of a difference, but it's certainly in the scope of eternity. And I think he was teaching me this lesson that God wants you, God wants me to excel in generosity. And so I want us to look at this passage and learn the lessons of generosity together. And I want you to see four ways that we can excel in generosity and what God's word teaches us as God was teaching the church at Corinth. He's teaching us. And so let God apply this in your life. Let him use the uh, metaphorical silver dollars in your life to teach you these lessons, to help you to learn, to put into practice the things that he says. And let's note these four principles together. Number one, we excel in generosity. First way to excel in generosity, be determined to excel. Be determined to excel. Go with me, please, to, the ver to verse 7. Let's note what the Bible says here. Paul's saying, speaking to the church at Corinth and God the Holy Spirit speaking to us. Now, as you excel in everything, so Paul's saying, church, man, you, man, you're excellent in lots of ways. As you excel in everything, and then he's going to mention those things, excel also in this act of grace. And he's speaking specifically about giving. So they excelled in, every, in all kinds of things. And he mentions these things that they excelled in. Faith. The church at Corinth trusted God in big ways. They believed God to do big things. They trusted God in faith to lead their lives. They were in a dangerous age. It was not popular to be a Christian in those days in Corinth. It was difficult and challenging. The culture was going the opposite way. We've never known anything like that, right? We've never known a culture that, that mocks faith or that is going away from the... Man, we need faith more than ever. And the church at Corinth was excelling in that, excelling in faith, trusting God. They excelled in speech, the Bible says. They used their tongue in the proper ways. The tongue can set fires, the Bible reminds us. We can use it to harm and damage. It can be profane. In this generation, exceptionally profane. But they were using it well. 
they were excelling. They were talking to other people about faith. They were using it to share the good news of the gospel. They excelled in their speech. They excelled in knowledge, the Bible says. It was a church that was learning and growing and studying. They were asking questions. You want to learn things, just ask some questions. And they were, they were excelling in knowledge. I believe they must have been in their small groups asking questions about what God thought about this or what the Bible taught about that. And they were excelling in these ways. I love to see people growing in knowledge. They were growing, excelling, the Bible says, in all diligence or earnestness or zeal, some translations use. I'm saying they were, and they were zealous for the things of God. They were diligent about following the Lord. I mean, this is excellence. And they were excellent in their love for Paul. Paul commended them for this. He said, I, I know this about you. You love me. I know this. I mean, maybe you don't get everything right, Church of Corinth, but I know you love me. And he said, just as you excel in all those things, you excel in this act of grace of giving. And can I ask you to note a couple of things? There's a difference between ought to and determined to. There's a difference between ought to and determined to. In January, many, many people are going to say, many of you will say, I ought to exercise. Many will say that. There's a difference between ought to and determining to do it. Many people will say, I ought to spend time with family. Many fathers, I ought to spend time with family. I ought to teach my children, love my children. I ought to discipline them in godly love. I ought to exemplify what it means to follow the Lord. I ought to spend time with them. I ought to care about what they care about, get involved in their lives. I ought to. There's a difference between ought to and determined to. There's a difference between ought to and determined to when it comes to a devotional time. Many people say, I ought to, man, I ought to have a devotional time. Crazy Pastor Doug's always talking about reading the Bible for myself, and I need to read the New Testament. I ought to do that. Maybe sometime I will, and I ought to. I ought to spend time reading the Bible each morning. I ought to. But there's a difference between that and determined to. And when it comes to the issue of generosity, many people say, I ought to. I know I ought to. Yeah, I should. I ought to. But that's different than determined to. And the church of Corinth, Paul's saying, listen, don't just ought to. Don't just ought to. But I, just as you have excelled in these other areas, I want you to determine to, just as you determined to excel in faith and speech and knowledge and diligence and your love for us, I want you to determine in this act of grace as well. And notice that excelling in generosity is an act of grace. That's what the Bible calls it here, an act of grace. It's a response to the love that God gives to us, though we don't deserve it. What the Bible is saying here is God's grace changes us. We are saved, if we're saved, by trusting Christ as Savior because Christ loved us, though we didn't deserve it. And Christ did for us what we could not do for ourselves. And his act of grace is what saves us. So we're not saved by good works, but we are saved for good works. And grace changes us. Our faith changes us. God cares about changing us. And so I want to remind you to be determined to excel. And if you're going to excel in generosity, it will happen because you are determined to do so. Principle number two, follow the example of Jesus. We're, we're to, I'm glad God tells us what to do, but the Lord shows us what to do. And Jesus is the example to us of how we should live and what we should do. Verse eight says this, I'm not saying this is a command. He's saying this is, has to come from you. Rather, by means of the diligence of others, 
that is the example he's speaking of, of the churches in Asia that we noted last week. I'm testing, verse 8 says, I'm testing the genuineness of your love. Here's the Bible is saying God wants your genuine love. And of course, that's what he gave to you. God wants your genuine love, and that's what he gave to you. His love is genuine and real. If you wonder what real love is, it's, it's not always what you see on the movies. It's not always what you see in our culture. It might not be what the guy down the street exemplifies. You want to know what love is, see the example of Jesus. That's why Jesus says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. That's the example. And so God wants us to, he wants our genuine love. And of course, he gave us his genuine love. And then notice verse 11 says, now also finish the task. I'm sorry, verse 9 rather. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. So here's the grace of the Lord Jesus, verse 9. He was rich. God made everything, created the universe, King of kings, Lord of lords. But for your sake, for your sake, the Bible says, he became poor because he cared about you, because he loves you. He was generous with you, and he took on poverty. He was born in this manger for us. And that manger, the king of kings, born in the manger, some, a bad dad joke says that was the first king-sized bed, that manger. And there's some truth to that, isn't there? The king was born in a manger. For your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. So the Bible is saying God gives you his generous love, and that's what he wants from you. God wants your generous love. That's what he gave to you. God gives you his generous love, and that's what he wants from you. He went from rich to poor, so we can go from poor to rich. And this is the story of Christmas. God would love us so much. In our brokenness, in our need, in our sin, in our pain, in our separation, that he would come to us and love us. Jesus would live for us and die for us and rise from the grave for us and give to us. And so when we show generous love, we're really just following the example of Jesus. I believe one of the reasons God had me give those, that silver dollar all those years ago was because he wanted me to, to determine to excel, not just to, not just to, I ought to, you know, maybe someday, but to determine to excel. And I believe he wanted me to follow the example of Jesus. He was reminding me that Jesus gave to me. There's a third principle I want you to know. Finish, finish what you began. Finish what you began. Go with me now to verse 10. The Bible says, and in this matter I'm giving advice because it is profitable for you who began last year not only to do something but also to want to do it. Now profit, any of you who are in the business world know something about profit, I hope. Because if you don't show a profit, eventually there's going to be a problem. And the Bible is saying here, I'm giving you this advice, Paul's saying, because it is profitable for you. Now, it doesn't seem like profit because you're giving money away. But Paul's saying it's profitable for you. He's saying this. He's saying others benefit from our generosity. The church at Jerusalem would benefit from the generosity of the church at Corinth. The mission organization would benefit from my limited generosity of the silver dollar. Others benefit from our generosity. But note this, but we benefit as well from our generosity. The Bible says in verse 10, it is profitable for you. Not just profitable for them, 
but for you. It's not just profitable for others, but it is to the profit of you to be generous. Notice verse 11. Now also finish the task, the Bible says. Finish the task so that just as there was an eager desire you wanted to do right, there may also be a completion according to what you have. Don't just want to do it. Don't just ought to do it, but put it into practice. Finish the task. He's saying faith leads to works. Our faith always leads to works. It's not just the generality or the spiritual realm of faith, but it's leading to the, to the uh, practice of works, to the practical working out of works. Saying Jesus is Lord should lead us to living like Jesus is Lord. And I think one of the reasons I was to give that silver dollar long ago was because the Lord wanted me not just to say Jesus is Lord, but he wanted me to live like Jesus is Lord. Not just a spiritual reality, Jesus is Lord, but a practical reality in my life, Jesus is Lord. Now, here's something I've noticed over the years. Um, many people start well, but far fewer finish well. Many start well, but a, a far fewer finish well. It's one of the reasons I appreciate um, dead authors when it comes to spiritual matters. Now, I can learn from people who are alive. I'm not saying, of course, of course. But I love to see the guys who have finished well. And I know this. I've discovered along the way there are a lot of people who start well, who have good intentions, but they don't finish so well. Lots of people do that. Maybe you've been at a race or something. They ran a 5K or 10K or half marathon or a marathon, and you've seen guys who start well. And a lot of guys start. Everybody pretty much starts well, but not everybody finishes well. Years ago, we were at a, um, I ran a marathon, 26.2 miles. I always remind people of the point two. There's a point, isn't it? Don't say 26, 26.2. And the point two is, if you live, is very, very memorable if you, if you get to that point. And we were about to run a race, you know, we're, we're just plotters. We weren't very gifted runners at all. And we'd done our training and such. And we went to Atlanta, Georgia to run a race. And we saw all these thousands, some of our thousands of our closest friends gathered to run all that pain, 26.2 miles, and uh, just about to start. We noticed a guy in front of us, a big guy. You don't see a lot of big guys at race, big guy. And he had a shirt on and had it like his nickname on the back, and it said Moose. You do not see a lot of guys in marathons with the nickname Moose. It's just not a common phenomenon. If they, if they have the nickname Moose, they're usually not in, in a different sport usually. But this guy had Moose on the back. And to our great amazement, when that gun sounded, Moose took off, I mean, like a rocket. And he started well. And we passed him one mile later, walking. He was already walking on the side. 25.2 miles to go. I don't think Moose finished well. And I've seen a lot of Christians who start well. Lots. God, I intend good intentions. And the Lord is reminding you to finish well. I think the Lord uses generosity in our lives to remind us. Listen, don't just make it about intentions. Get the silver dollar out of your pocket. And I want you to put this into practice. I want you to finish what you started. You say Jesus is Lord. The moment I gave my life to Jesus as a boy, I was saying Jesus is Lord. Now, okay, let's put it into practice. I mean, it's one thing to say it. Let's finish it. It's the, it's the reality that 
Spiritually, Jesus is Lord, but the practical reality that Jesus is Lord of my life. So it's his, not mine. It's, it's, his, it's his silver dollar, not mine. It's his energy. It's his strength. It's his ability. It's his talent. It's his resources that he puts into my hand. And the Lord reminds us to finish what we began. That church at Corinth started well, and by the grace of God, they could finish well. Principle number four, how to excel in generosity. Do your part. God never asks you to do the part of others, but he always asks you to do your part. All of us have a role to play. All of us have a part. Let's work our way through beginning with verse 12. The Bible says, if the eagerness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. Paul's saying, I love your eagerness, and it's acceptable, giving what you can, not what you can't. Verse 13, it's not that there should be relief for others and hardship for you, but it's a question of equality. It's not just that I'm trying to make life hard on you, though God does call us sometimes to hardship, and God does use our sacrifice for his glory. Verse 14, at the present time, your surplus is available for their need, so that their abundance may in turn meet your need in order that there may be equality. So right now, you may be ministering to someone in a time of grief, but someday it will be your grief. Right now, you're helping someone in a time of need, but one day it'll be your need. And so God uses our talents and abilities, treasure, our time to bless others. And there will come a time when, of course, we are on the receiving end. And the Bible is saying here, do your part. And then verse 15, as it is written, the person who had much did not have too much, and the person who had little did not have too little. He's speaking here about the time when the children of Israel were wandering through the wilderness, and God provided for them through manna that he provided, their daily bread. They couldn't have too much. They didn't have too little. God gave them their daily bread. The Lord's Prayer tells us to pray for our daily bread. God provides for us, not always uh, where we can see the abundance in the future, but God gives us what we need when we need it. And so let's note four things about giving here. First, we're to give eagerly. We'll talk about that in later messages where God calls us to be eager, joyful givers. I'll just tell you, that was not my spirit with my silver dollar, but God wanted me to learn the lesson of generosity and the joy that comes with that, the joy that comes with that. And those of you who are generous know what I'm talking about. There's an eagerness to give for the generous heart, a joy that comes with it. We give, secondly, proportionally. That's why the tithe is such a beautiful picture. We give what the Lord provides for us proportionally. And God, as he blesses you more, he'll want you to bless others more. We give compassionately. I think God wanted me to begin to think of others and not just myself. That silver dollar was a reminder that there are other people and not just me in this world. As a teenage boy, I had a tendency to think about me only. And God wanted me to see beyond myself and to see the needs of others and to think of others and to have even compassion for others. And then we give individually. No one can give for me. No one can give in my place. And each of us does our part. And God has a part for you. And so I just want to remind you of this principle. God wants you to excel in generosity. That was the lesson God wanted me to teach, uh, to learn as he was teaching me through that silver dollar. And through the metaphorical silver dollars, God is placed in your pocket or in your hand. He's using that because he wants you to learn this lesson. So does he bless you just so you have blessings? Is that the goal of life? How many silver dollars can you hold? And how many can you have? Or does he bless you so you'll be a blessing? Does he bless you so you'll be a blessing? Does God make your life just about what you get and have? Or does he change your life by what you give and how you care? Does he want you just to think of yourself? 
Or does he want you to learn to lift up your eyes and to think about others beyond yourself? And I, I suspect there are some of you who have some silver dollars of your own that God's dealing with because he's wanting, he, he does this because he loves you. He does it for your profit. He does it to your benefit. He's put blessings in your hand because he wants you to bless. And God will use you to make a difference in this world. Some of you are here who need Christ as Savior. And I just tell you, there's the most generous giving entity in all the world is the Lord himself. Who would see the brokenness. What could we give to him? What, what could we add to him? And yet he loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus into that manger on our behalf. And to walk toward that cross for us. And to die that sacrificial death to pay the sacrifice, the, the penalty that was mine. And to provide the miracle that offers salvation to those who will trust him. And I'm asking you today to give your life to Christ. The most generous one who's ever been. And then to begin to live like that. And to say, God, I want a heart like your heart. I want to learn to excel in generosity. Some of you, and you, you're, you're there, and I, God bless you. But many of you are holding those silver dollars tightly. And God is saying, I want you to hold it loosely. And you want to grab and keep and have. And God's saying, I want you to, I want you to open and give and love. And I want you to think beyond yourself. And just like you excel in so many areas of your life, I want you to learn to excel in this, this act of grace that comes from me. And I will bless you through it. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. Father, I want to thank you for loving a teenage boy enough to teach him this lesson. And what seems like such a small thing, and yet it, it was a big thing for me as I look back and see the lessons you, be, you began to teach me even then and still want to teach me today. Lord, would you give me a generous heart? You know my heart still has that tendency to want to hold and have and keep so, Lord, would you help me to follow your better plan and your better way and to see the blessings that you put into my life as a means by which I can bless. And, Father, I thank you for loving us so much that you would teach us the lessons you were teaching the church at Corinth all those years ago because you care about us still today. Thank you that you're teaching us through the power of the Holy Spirit those lessons so that we begin to live like you want us to live and bless like you want us to bless and think like you want us to think. Father, I'm praying for people who may be here hearing this today who need to be saved. They need to recognize this greatest gift and to find salvation full and free in Christ. And I'm praying for believers who will make you Lord of all. And maybe in some ways they've said, you can be Lord of this and this, but not that. Lord, would you help us even with the, the things we want to keep for ourselves to say yes to you so that your name is glorified. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. In a moment, we're going to have our closing song and, and we'll be dismissed. But before we do that, I want to uh, just say a few things and then we're going to watch a video. I, um, my wife and I will be back at Connection Point. We'd love to get to meet you if we can after the service. If you're a guest, we want to talk some more about trusting Christ as Savior or following the believer's baptism. We'd love to help you in any of those ways. Um, we're going to watch a quick video before we sing and it's um, a couple from our church but they'll use a pseudonym because they're in a hard place kind of a just better because we're on the air it's better that they not 
use their name, and so they'll use a pseudonym, but some of you will know them, and, and if you don't, you pray for them anyway. They'll talk about the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, that all of that goes to missions. Of course, part of our budget offering goes to, to missions every week as well, and we're grateful that we can support them in those ways. I just thought it'd be good for you to hear from this couple and the work and ministry they're doing in a hard place, and we're glad we can kind of be a part of their lives uh, as their church family as well. So how about if we start the video and then we'll sing a closing song. Our deacon of the week will be here after the service to pray. If you want someone to pray with you, that's always a good thing to have. Hope you can come to next week to Christmas service. If you're in town for Christmas Eve, it'll be a great time together. Thanks for worshiping with us. I think they'll show the video now. Hello, First Baptist O'Fallon. This is Ryan and Natalie Polk. We were sent out from you guys about eight months ago in March and we've been living and serving here in Central Asia. And we just wanted to send just a quick hello and update on how things have been going so far. We have been just really thankful in our time here so far, just to see the Lord providing for us and sustaining us here in our work. Each Friday morning, we go to a local fellowship with about six to eight local believers and the same believers come on Tuesday night for a time of discipleship where we can go just a little bit deeper in our um, friendships and our um, knowledge of the word and growing in obedience together. We've had some great opportunities to um, meet our neighbors and meet some local friends and share meals with them and have them in our home and be invited into their homes and just learning the, the culture. We spend about 30 hours a week on language. Some of that's personal study time and some of that is with a language tutor or being out in the community just trying to stumble through um, our language skills. Uh, this is important for us just to continue to study hard um, so that we can share with them in, in their heart language the good news that we have. Again, we're so thankful for you guys for giving. Uh, it allows us uh, to do the evangelism and church planning work that we feel called to do here uh, in our country. In addition to this, I also work for an NGO that provides leadership training to individuals who are either working or to students who one day want to be leaders. And uh, we just had our first graduating class uh, for a year-long class that we do uh, that graduated this past December. And uh, we're just thankful to be able to do something like that. And we just wanted to uh, thank you all finally for uh, your giving to Lottie Moon this Christmas season. Our organization uh, sets aside December as a special time just to say thank you to those of you that give to Lottie Moon and also to those of you that pray and go yourselves uh, to the nations. And so thank you so much for your giving. We couldn't do what we do without it. Uh, your giving holds us up uh, entirely. 100% of what you give to Lottie Moon goes directly to people like us overseas. And so thank you for giving. Thank you for praying. Thank you for supporting us. Uh, we hear from so many of you guys on a regular basis. We're thankful for you guys, and we hope you all have a Merry Christmas. Would you please stand with us?
gives God all praise, glory, and honor, and how we do that, let's be generous this Christmas season. Be light to that person in your world that needs to know there is hope, there is a solution to their challenges. His name is Jesus. You are dismissed to be his representative. Have a great week. The silent stars go by